6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck begins his teaching on the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 17 through 23. Well, we're continuing our review of the book of 2 Chronicles, and we're going to take, uh, undertake uh, chapters 17 through 23. We usually take four, this is about six chapters. Um, Maybe the next three, seven. But some of them are short, so don't let that scare you. And we're just going to continue the dynasty of David as we go forward. And uh, just by way of review, obviously, First Chronicles had the genealogies, first nine chapters, then the reign of David for the remainder of First Chronicles. Second Chronicles had the reign of Solomon for nine chapters. And then we're going through the Davidic dynasty from there on, which is where we are now, of course. And the monarchy... I think I pointed out that 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings is the historical record of both kingdoms from, well, actually from Samuel on, but it, it, it pretty much tries to balance its perspective of both the southern and northern kingdom. Uh, Chronicles, however, just focuses primarily on the southern kingdom because why? Because that's the commitment to David, and that's the commitment to the king that's going to rule the planet Earth, the Messiah himself. And so that's why it's more critical, if you will, than the others. 1st Chronicles nominally comparable to Second uh, Samuel, and then Second Chronicles uh, embracing First and Second Kings. And some of your Bibles may have First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings as First, Second, Third, and Fourth Kings. That's just labeling from the, the Latin or whatever, so we won't get bothered with that here. Okay. And we're roughly somewhere in that region as we go through the, the uh, thing here. Now, the Davidic dynasty, we have 20 kings here, and... Uh, we will be focusing tonight on Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, and Athaliah, this gal that is a real troublemaker. And uh, so we'll just jump in now. Uh, chapter 17 is King Jehoshaphat. Real mouthful, but quite a guy. Uh, the word, his name means he whom Yorhevavhe judges. And... Uh, there are a lot of Jehoshaphats in the Bible, not just one. One of David's bodyguards was named that. One was a, a recorder or an analyst in David's and Solomon's court. That's a state officer of high rank, like a vizier or something. Another Jehoshaphat was a priest who blew the trumpet before the ark uh, in the passage from Obed-Edom's house when it moved to Jerusalem. Another Jehoshaphat was one of Solomon's 12 purveyors in Issachar. Another was the son of Nimshi, the father of Jehu, the king of Israel, the king of the north. So that was in the, in the northern. Don't let that confuse you. But obviously the one we're interested in tonight is the son of Asa and Azubah, the wife, the fourth king of Judah. That's why he's where we're interested. At 35, he began to reign. His first three years was during his father's foot problem. That's why some people have trouble reconciling things. They overlook the fact that there was a co-regency while his dad 
had his foot problem. And uh, his incapacity through disease of the feet. And um, then he had 22 years of his own, beginning about 914 B.C., 25 years in all. And it's all through First and Second Kings. But that's the guy of the list that we're interested in. Let's move on. And in verse 1 of chapter 17, And Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel, against the northern kingdom. He placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah, set garrisons in the land of Judah, and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the first ways of his father David, and sought not unto Balaam, or worshipping Baal, the, the, the false gods. It's interesting term here, the first ways. Obviously, David had his problems later, too, sometime. But he walked in the first ways, the primary ways, of his father David. So that, that was intended to be a, a, a major compliment. But sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. Israel here is used, obviously, just to make sure you don't misunderstand, the northern kingdom, the, 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 the idolaters up there under Jeroboam. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence, and he had riches and honor in abundance, and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. He's doing all the right things, getting rid of the idol worship down there. And in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hale and to Obadiah and Zechariah and Nethaniel and Micaiah, and to teach in the cities of Judah. To do what? See, again, this is emphasis in the Word of God that we're dealing with here. Don't let these names throw you, because obviously there's many people in the Bible with the same name, so don't, they don't necessarily link up, obviously. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah, and Nethaniah, and Zebediah, and Asahel, and Shemiramoth, and Johanathan, and Adonijah, and Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, and Levites, uh, 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 all these Levites, and with them, Elishama and Jehoram, priests. So we've got Levites and priests here, and you'll understand the difference. A priest is a Levite that's a direct descendant of Aaron. That's the difference. Anyway, and they taught in Judah, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. Can you imagine? Those things were expensive. This was not, there wasn't printing. These were uh, uh, products of uh, incredible scribal rigor to get them right. They had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went about throughout all the cities of Judah, and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. In other words, the fear of the Lord also permeated other nations around them. They had respect, if you will. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver. And Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 he-goats. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. One of the most prosperous times in their history out of all of this. And he had much business in the cities of Judah. And the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. And these are the numbers of them, according to the house of their fathers, of Judah, the captains of the thousands. Adna, the chief, and with him mighty men of valor, 300,000. And next to him was Johanan, the captain, and with him 204,000. Uh, and next to him was Amaziah, the son of Zikri, 
who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him two hundred thousand mighty men of valor. And of Benjamin, Eliada, the mighty man of valor, and with him armed men with bow and shield, two hundred thousand. Notice Benjamin is always the archers. That's interesting. And next to him was Jehoshaphat, and with him a hundred and fourscore thousand ready prepared for the war. These waited on the king beside those whom the king put in the fenced cities throughout all Judah. So they're formidable, huh? So chapter 18. Now, he does, having said all that, which is all very positive, we now enter into one of the strangest relationships in the Bible. Very bizarre. There aren't two guys that are more unlike each other trying to be partners here. Je Jehoshaphat is powerful and spiritual. Ahab is bad news. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years he went down to Ahab in, to Samaria. Samaria was the capital up in the north. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So he's, he wants him to join war with him against the Arameans, which we would think of as Syria, if you will. And uh, he's bribing him and flattering him and all of that. Alliance with the north. See, one of the results of Jehoshaphat's formidable strength, because he'd really strengthened himself, that made him attractive to Ahab as a military partner. He feared him on the one hand, but he also wanted him as an ally. Now Ahab was the second king of the Omri dynasty of Israel, one of the most illustrious families in the northern kingdom's history, from their point of view. He'd come to power about the same time Jehoshaphat did. He's related to Jehoshaphat by a marriage alliance. Jehoshaphat's son had married Athaliah, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. Ahab and Jezebel were quite a couple, and uh, the, the nice part of Chronicles, we don't have to go into all of that too much. But they have a daughter that Jehoshaphat's son marries, and that gal is a real source of trouble. And uh, so that toward the end of Ahab's life, he was engaged in bitter hostilities with the Arameans and in the Jordan uh, east, and uh, it's the area that you and I would think of as Syria, pretty much. And Ahab, the king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people is thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. And uh, Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. So Jehoshaphat's going to inquire from God before he actually commits himself. Sounds good, but let me check it out. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets 400 men. These are obviously false prophets. These are uh, sinister characters. And said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. So they're telling Ahab what he wants to hear, his own prophets, right? But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Jehoshaphat, isn't, you know, he, he, uh, he's not interested in listening to the prophets of Baal here. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man 
by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesied good unto me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but always evil. The same as Micaiah, the son of Imla. <laughs> Don't like this guy. He never tells me anything good. <laughs> Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. The king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. Now this guy's quite a character, by the way. You're gonna, he's widely misunderstood. We're going to get a kick out. This will be a fun part over here. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes, and they sat in a void place at entering in of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Get the picture. You've got these two kings that are sitting up there for the festivities. You got 400 of these prophets of Baal singing their song, right? And we have this one guy over here. I love this. It's almost an Elijah thing. You know, it's kind of... And Zedekiah, the son of Kekananah, uh, made, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. In other this character, this is, this is, this is a, uh, a false prophet. And he's got, he's, made, he's got these horns of steel he's using as a prop. And he's using it to tell, this is how the you know, Lord tells me, this is the way we're going to wipe out the Syrians. Oh, really? Okay. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy, word therefore, let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. He's coaching him. You know, this is, this is, this, the word's in here. Here's the, this is. <laughs> and Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Okay, let's see what happens here. And when he has come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go ye up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. He's being facetious, but they don't recognize it yet, okay? And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou shalt say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? <laughs> so even when he tells him what he wants to hear, he knows he's lying. <laughs> then he said, Now get what Micaiah said. I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. That implies not only will they lose, but the king's going to lose his life. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I, Didn't I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me but evil? <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> Again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne... And all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake, saying, After this manner, and another after that manner. Then there came out a spirit that stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out, and do even so. <laughs> now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. 
Now, whether he really saw that as a vision or he's using that as a way to tell the king that his prophets are liars. <laughs> That's just, okay. So, and Zedekiah, the son of Shechananah, came and near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? <laughs> Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. And the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in prison, and feed him with bread of affliction, and with water of affliction, until I return in peace. Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken all ye people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and will go to the battle. But put thou on thy robes. That's called making your partner a clay pigeon. Okay? <laughs> so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went to the battle. You know, I have no idea, because I don't think Jehoshaphat's stupid. But he, you know, it, I don't quite understand why he would go, you know, manifesting himself as a king in a battle is something it isn't, you don't do casually. You do that with some consideration. Anyway, moving on, verse 30. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. See, the king of Syria, that's their enemy, is telling his guys to, you know, uh, Fight, uh, fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. So they're not going after the south, they're going after the north. It came to pass, when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed him to, about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and, the, and God moved them to depart from him. See, they, they, were, they assumed because he had the robes, he was the guy really in charge. So they were focusing on him, but God protected him. For it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. Now that was the plan of, of, of Ahab. But notice what happens here. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture. You get the impression this guy near the end of the battle had one arrow left and he just let it fly randomly. Get rid of it. Drew a bow adventure. And smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Therefore he said to his chariot man, Turn thine hand that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until even, and about the time the sun going down, he died which is exactly what Micaiah had predicted, by the way, just as a... Now, this vision of Micaiah is the source of a lot of trouble to a lot of commentators, because he relates a vision in which he saw God commission a demonic spirit to inspire the prophets of Ahab to lie to him. Well, did he really, or did he just use that as a way to put the needle into those guys? That's a point of debate. It's trouble to some, because it would seem to suggest that God is an author of deceit. We know better than that. This is just another way to look at this. Another, it's just one of the examples of the sovereignty of God who does not initiate evil, but sometimes allows it to occur for his own purposes. 
This is the argument that there really was an evil spirit that God allowed to go do this. Uh, that's, that's one view. Um, I personally am not hung up on that because as far as I'm concerned, for all I can visualize Micaiah using this like a parable as a way of, <laughs> of uh, you know, we, we see that occur in a couple of places in the book of Judges and elsewhere where someone will, will uh, be very skillful in his rhetoric, in effect. Anyway, let's go to chapter 19, 2 Chronicles. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace uh, to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said unto King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therewith is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the, whole, uh, through the people from Beersheba, that's way in the south, to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. So he's a good guy, doing well. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Boy, how critical it is to have sound judges. And one of the great tragedies in America... As they, as they chronicle its decline and demise, it will be clearly uh, echoed from the time that the judges started to impose their social agenda rather than doing the job that they swore to do. And how they twist things to accomplish what they do. They overturn uh, jury trials where the juries are supposed to determine the facts, not the law. And uh, how they... Uh, uh, when the people express themselves by passing laws, they deign to refute those laws and impose their own. It, it's, a, it's really astonishing how far the, juris, the, the justice system has been perverted. That's not our only problem, but it's certainly a very fundamental problem in our country. There are remedies, and that's called impeachment. It's been done in the past. David Barton has much to say about that, if you're interested in that sort of thing. And anyway, in any case, take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. That wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, or taking of gifts. Moreover, in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites, and of the priests, and of the chief of the fathers of Israel, for the judgment of the Lord, and for the controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall you do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully, and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord, and so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do, and ye shall not trespass. Great instruction here. And behold, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. So now we're to Chronic, 20, uh, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, now you remember where they came from, that's Lot's incest and all that sort of thing, uh, they, 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 they reflect the, nation, the ancient nations east of the Jordan that today we, can, we would regard as, as Jordan, Transjordan, then Jordan. Anyway, the, the, the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites 
came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be with Hazaz and Tamar, and, which is in, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What an interesting response. What a spiritual response to as the king is to call for a national fast. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? There's another case of that Abraham's title, of the friend of God. Interesting. And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, meaning the temple, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Hear that whole, that, that's just a summary or an echo of the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. That's literally extracted from that. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou dost, wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. He's re when they, when in the Exodus, Edom would not let them pass through. And they were told, because they're, they're, they're not acting like brothers, but they are brothers, so don't, you don't, you, they wouldn't let them fight over it. They went around it. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study his word. Music